0: Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Vellani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis.
1: Welcome, my friend. Dr. Debbie's here to answer your vet medical questions. Joey Vellani with your grooming questions. Ladybug the Studio stunt dog. She just really yaps with your dogs. And cats. She does talk to... Does she talk to cats? Does she take calls for cats? Oh, she loves cats. She does? Yes, she does. She lives with a cat. See, the listener can't tell if we're serious or not. (laughs) Actually, today, we're going to take a little more serious and I don't want to say somber tone, but we're going to deal with something that most pet lovers deal with, and that's the death of their pet. Pets for, you know, dogs can live, depending on their size, up to 20, 25 years. 25 years. I've seen a cat that lasted uh, 23 years.
2: Yeah, but have you ever seen a dog live 25 years? Dr.
1: Debbie, what's your take on this? How old do they live?
3: That would be the extraordinary extreme. I'd say, you know, into the teens tends to be kind of the general range. You know, larger breeds don't last as long. So you might have, you know, eight to 10 years for a large to giant breed. And you can get up to 15 to 17, 18 for a small breed, like a really tiny Yorkie or um, Chihuahua. They tend to last a long time.
1: No matter how long they last, they become part of your family, right? They're like, sometimes even closer than your family, sometimes closer than your spouse yeah some most of the time your best friend absolutely
3: yeah, I
1: know. there's ways that you can celebrate their life and we're going to be talking this hour to michelle gaylord she's the owner of eternal paws pet lover and memorial jewelry and she has not just a few things of jewelry that you can you know put ashes in but she has some really amazing and different unique ideas for celebrating your animals life and we'll talk to her this hour next hour we're going to be talking to ross taylor he's a photographer. And he's working on a project where he photographs the last moments between humans and their animals. Wow. I'll be honest with you, Judy. I, I did not go to the website.
2: It's hard, but yeah. it's, it's hard, but it's heartwarming. And you can just really see the bond that you have. And, and you can feel the pain if you've ever lost your pet. You know what that feels like.
1: I want to know what gave this guy this idea to do this particular project. And he'll be joining us to talk about that. And next hour, we're going to be talking about the opioid crisis with your animals. People have been actually hurting their animals or going to the vets to get opioids for their own habits and, uh, unfortunately, sacrificing their pets along the way doing that. We're going to be talking about new legislation that changes that. That's all coming up next hour right here on Animal Radio. Well, hello, Leonard. How are you doing? Okay. You sound kind of down. What's going on?
4: Well, uh, among many... Other things, the dog uh, now refuses to go in the van.
1: Your dog uh, refuses he... to go in the van, okay.
4: Yes, and his name is Zephyr Van Gogh the Third.
1: <laughs> Zephyr Van Gogh, I
3: love it.
4: <laughs> He's the third golden. I always have vans. And, uh...
3: Oh, okay. So tell me about Zephyr then as far as he doesn't want to get in the van. Did he have any kind of bad experience with it?
4: Well, th- there's been other incidences where I had to stop short, and one time he went into the, you know, from the passenger seat into the well. But he re- he got over that, and this time, once again, somebody cut me off in the shopping center, and uh, some stuff came flying forward. But he was in the passenger seat, and he he has learned to put his his own brakes on. You know, he puts his feet forward and stands back. He's also learned how to open the window. Oh, and, okay. And uh, he always used to love to go in the van so he could open the window, and he would know that we're going someplace to see people. And But uh, this is worse. One Friday I went for a long drive, and he would not calm down the whole time.
3: Oh, okay. Well, you know, the, the reality with um – um frightening or scary situations with dogs is that all it takes is one, one episode that can actually make them so scared that whatever was going on at that same time, they, they can have a fear of, and even though he's had successful van rides before and not had a problem it it doesn't really matter because once they have really one bad episode and one bad experience that is in the forefront of their memory so and you actually have to have up to a hundred positive experiences after the fact for a dog to actually kind of start to feel more comfortable with it so the reality is and you know and Leonard, you're not going to like what I have to say, but an untethered dog in the car is just prime for being injured. That that, that is, it's going to happen. It can happen. Um, so things like um, keeping them in a, um, uh, you know, either in a seatbelt or in a dog carrier that's tethered down with a seatbelt um, in secure, or one of the high pressure um, plastic crates that um, that are made to withstand being in the back of, you know, folks' vehicles that. You you know, should there be a crash or an impact, it's a different kind of crate than a regular dog carrier that you might see at the pet store. But I have, I have to have
4: say that. the airline crate that I've used to many dogs. This dog did not need the crate really for training purposes. But, well, I, I understand what you're saying. So, So, uh, yeah, so
3: I think from here what we have to do is understand and recognize you're not going to get that same dog back because he's had a bad experience. So we need to work through what's going to make him most comfortable. So that's going to take some training, and it may take something. Like if he's accustomed to being in a crate, what a great thing. Dogs feel safe in crates. You know, it's a closed surrounding.
4: This dog did not, I've had many dogs, this dog did not take to the crate Mm. but uh, behaved fine without it, I think he'll freak out even more if I put him in a crate in the van.
3: Yeah, Um, I mean, you can certainly see if we can train him to the crate. However, I would say that, you know, again, just to keep doing what you're doing, it's kind of like banging your head against the wall. Are you going to expect him to behave differently differently? No, he's just going to have the same reaction and become more fearful. So we need to set him up so he feels safe and secure. And if if that's not in a crate, then try a seat belt setup. There are certainly you know large dog seat belts um, that you can use to keep him tethered. If he doesn't like going in the van and he now has an anxiety component, we have to work with that. So that's going to mean doing training um, and reward systems for him when you're not intending to get in the car and drive away. So that may mean you know getting him a little piece of hot dog and going in the van and sitting in the back seat with him and giving him a treat if he's behaving quiet, calmly, without any fear or anxiety. If he's nervous or scared, then you don't go in the van. You just sit next to it and then you give him rewards for being outside that and eventually working up to more and more contact and exposure in that vehicle until you can pull down the driveway or go halfway around the block. And you build up to that and try to get him to be more comfortable with that. But we can't just keep doing what we're doing if he's showing fear and anxiety. That's just going to be counterproductive. So that's what I mean. You kind of have to just recognize which way do you want to address this, the slow and patient way with training. We're trying to find him some way to feel more safe and um, not uh, thrown about when the car is in movement.
4: You see, he experienced this before, even in a, a worse result, but he recovered from it and he's not recovering this time i don't think a crate will be the answer i think he'll that will freak him out even more exactly
3: and so that's what i'm saying so if he's already displaying shivering and fearful behaviors tethering him down with a seatbelt or putting him in a crate isn't helpful. You have to work on that, um, having him become more accepting of being near the van and to be actually entering the van. So that means not starting it, not putting it in in drive, and just working on that kind of a uh, training behavior. So keep him at home. Don't put him in the vehicle. Don't take him anywhere right now. It's not going to be helpful until we can get him uh, more accustomed to it and then to also eventually feel safer when you are in movement. So I'm sorry. It's not an easy quick fix, Leonard. Um, It really is a matter of once they have a scary experience, some dogs just you can't go back and you can't go back to that, how we used to handle it. Um, It's how we have to move forward. So I wish you the best with that.
1: Thanks, Leonard, for your call. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten in part by Red Barn. Now listen up in just a couple of seconds. I'm going to give you a promo code to save 10% off your next purchase. In fact, all of your purchases over at Red Barn. Your favorite dog treat company is now selling kibble. The first five ingredients feature real animal protein that's how you know it's good now get ready to save ten percent any anytime you go over to their website just use the promo code animal radio that's all one word animal radio and you'll get ten percent off your purchase so I encourage you to go on over there ladybug the studio stunt dog loves their treats they make a great chew bone and they're just one of the great products that Red barn makes and you could get ten percent off anything Red Barn has over at their website at redbarn.com, just put in the promo code Animal Radio. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio.
5: Hi, it's Alan Cable with another dog tip. I have a friend who came over for a visit last night. Her daughter's pregnant, and she was trying to get the dog in the kennel when he put his teeth on her arm. So this friend adopted the dog, which is a smart idea. It's never okay for a dog to put his teeth on you. In fact, from a very young age, you've got to teach your dog that. No teeth on humans. It's a real good idea to teach your kids all about dogs. How to behave and act around them, especially strange dogs, and how to approach to say hi. Typically, a dog is going to warn you before he bites you. But you've got to recognize those signs. Let's talk about how kids and you should approach a dog. First, find out from the dog's owner if he's friendly, and if it's okay to pet him, and where it's okay to pet him. You know, some older dogs have hip pain, so if you didn't know that and went to pat him on the side by his leg, it might hurt him enough to where he'd turn around and snap at you. Always calmly approach dogs. Matter of fact, my dog feels threatened when people approach him. He's much more comfortable when he's allowed to approach the person. So when people ask to pet him, I say, it's fine, just let him come to you. Some of the important things your child should know is to never run up to a dog, whether he knows the dog or not fast movements can activate a dog's predatory instincts you know they're pack animals and a lot of them have the prey instinct so if you run towards them or away from them they might see it as a chase so you approach slowly and calmly and let them do what dogs do sniff ya another good idea don't try to pet a dog on the head they see that as dominance you're over them instead pet them under the chin above all if a dog growls or shows his teeth just stop Tell your child never to approach a dog that's eating or try to take his toy away from him. Instead, just hang out, be calm, and wait for the dog to drop his toy. Then you can try picking it up to play. Never leave a small child alone with a dog. Kids don't know any better. They might unintentionally challenge or hurt the dog. Also, teach your child how to pet a dog gently. And no hugging, squeezing, or pulling. I've seen small kids hitting a dog on the head thinking they're petting him, but they're not. Make sure your kids and you don't play tug of war with the dog. If the dog wins, he's gonna see himself as dominant. And watch the dog closely for signs. If he doesn't want to be pet anymore, you'll see it. And remember, always be there to supervise the interaction.
6: if you're a smoker we have great rates for you as well at the term lifeline we specialize in policies of a half million dollars and above so if you're looking for new or replacement term life insurance call right now
7: for a free quote rates and availability may vary by state sample rate quotes are based on preferred non-tobacco underwriting exam required to qualify 800-803-1961. That's 800-803-1961 Hi,
8: this is Creston. Of course, you know me as the amazing Creskin. And you're listening to me on Animal Radio. Don't forget to spade and neuter those loved ones which we bonded
0: with our pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: Found us. This is Animal Radio, where we celebrate the connection with our pets. Go grab your pets. Bring them around the radio. They love the show, too. Pretty sure about that. Or they like to sleep during the show.
2: More like it. Uh, The dogs in the studio
1: (laughs) like to sleep during the show.
2: Yeah, they come in for their nap time.
1: (laughs) Hopefully, you're awake. And if you are, call us. In just a couple of minutes, we'll do a check of the news with Miss Lori Brooks. What do you have on tap for us?
9: Hey, there's a new study out. And you know, I love this research kind of stuff. Where they have found a new way that dogs resemble their owners.
1: <laughs> I always thought that uh, Judy and Ladybug—the longer they were together—they actually start to look like each other. Am now I you just... have
9: to say what. So, Ladybug is what kind of dog?
1: Uh, she's a Jack Russell Terrier Min Pin mix, and boy, you know how Min Pins get they, those big old thighs. <gasps>
0: <laughs> uh,
1: Whoa. Whoa! No, I don't. Whoa!
2: Hey, rough. was.
1: Wait a second. I was talking about the muscles. I was talking about the muscles. They get those big old muscles in their thighs. Don't they? I would be thrilled with that because that means
9: that you're you're walking a lot. You're She's very healthy. That's actually what I meant.
1: Uh huh.
2: Oh,
0: wow, that was a good comeback. I, yeah. I, I wish I can think that quick.
2: Uh, he's still in the dog house.
0: So I have a question, though. Does my dog start to look like me or do I start looking like the dog? Who changes here? You know, that's what I want to know.
9: Well, this is another way that, besides looking like each other, because we already know that that happens, so something different. Hmm.
1: Okay, well, that's on the way. You'll have to stick around for that. That's what we call a news tease <laughs> in the business.
9: Yeah, it was a long one. Do
1: you feel teased and titillated and you want to stick around for that? That's in about 10 minutes or so. I believe we have Vaughn on the phone? Yes, sir. Hey, Vaughn, how are you doing?
10: I'm uh, pretty good.
1: Who are we talking about today? What, The cat or the dog? The cat. Okay, what's up with your cat?
10: Okay, we uh, was living in one place, and we decided it needed to be bigger, so we jerked it out and put another modular unit in. But before we moved over the modular unit, he just seemed like he liked to urinate in the floor all the time, in the hallway. Well, after Yikes. he moved out of there, now he's wanting to go in the living room.
3: Okay. And, and when he's urinating, where is he urinating exactly? In the center of the room, against the walls, in the corners?
10: Basically about anywhere he decides to. He don't have really direction that he wants to. Like one time it can be in the middle of the floor, one time it can be close to the wall, uh, one time it can be up against the washer, dryer.
3: Okay. And does and, and the kitty go outside or are we just staying inside?
10: He just stays inside. Okay, and, he sneaks
3: out. Uh, <laughs> and is he a neutered kitty? Has he been yes. altered? Yeah. All righty. Very good. And do you have other cats running around the house too, or just him?
10: I got about nine other ones outside. Holy cow, nine! In. Yeah.
3: Ah, <laughs> uh, now do any of those cats come inside?
10: Well, they sneak in.
3: Okay all righty now is there anything else going on with the kitty that has you concerned anything else as far as uh, not feeling right um any kind of discoloration to his urine does it seem like he's peeing excessively or is it about his normal
1: amount
10: things about normal it's just like you know he'll get upset and that's
1: when he you know sounds like we've lost uh, we've lost Vaughn. yeah we've lost him he was on Thank a cell you. there hopefully he's listening okay. But this is, this is a problem that we've had around the animal radio studios. There's so many cats outside that the cats inside spray to mark their territory. I believe that's what's going on. Could that be what's yeah. going on with him?
3: You know, absolutely. That's, it's a very confusing situation when, you know, he's, he's got different signals and different thoughts. You know, cats that are indoors can live a, a happy indoor existence, but when we start to have personalities and cats that they're seeing and smelling, um, that live outside, then there's a whole territory kind of question. So, you know, it's very possible that your kitty could be having problems where he's trying to mark his turf. Um, you know I first want to make sure we don't have a health problem and you always should have a, a urine check to make sure we don't have any infections or stones or problems of those natures but boy it really sounds like he has the possibility that he is just frustrated um, so we would really need to figure out some way to accommodate his world differently um, we would want to either keep the blinds closed keep the other cats out and let him live his happy indoor existence um, or make an accommodation where you know we you have got, you know, a certain cat that stays inside with him. Um, There's so much that goes into the marking of their territory that some cats will spray on corners, some will spray in the middle of the floor, others will go into bathtubs, and sometimes right in front of your very face. So I'd really want to make sure that we um, kind of block the scenario where these other cats could be, uh, you know, seeing your kitty. And then at the same time, make sure everything's kosher with that litter box, because if it stinks, uh, your cat's not going to want to use it. Uh, So you want to make sure you change the litter frequently. Um, Sometimes we'll even play around with the litter types and and try some different varieties out there for your kitty. Um, But if there's any concerns, I'd definitely make sure we get them checked out uh, with the vet. Give him a clean uh, bill of health in his urinary tract and then uh, work on some of those environmental things where we can try to modify things.
1: Make sure it's not a urinary infection.
3: Yeah, because, for- you know, a lot of times we miss that possible um, infection and we rule it off as a behavioral problem. And there's really like a chronic uh, illness going on. So you don't want to miss that. It's a common mistake.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com.
6: This is Animal Radio, baby. If you're a smoker, we have great rates for you as well. At the Term Lifeline, we specialize in policies of a half million dollars and above. So if you're looking for new or replacement term life insurance, call right now
7: for a free quote. Rates and availability may vary by state. Sample rate quotes are based on preferred non-tobacco underwriting exam required to qualify. 800-803-1961. 800-803-1961. 800-803-1961. That's 800-803-1961.
11: This is an Animal Radio News Update.
9: I'm Lori Brooks. We've all Mm -hmm. seen pictures of dogs and their owners who look alike. I always think that's kind of cute. But now there's this new study out that has found that Dogs resemble their owners in an entirely different way, meaning their personalities tend to be similar. This study had the owners of nearly 1,700 dogs evaluate their own personalities and their dogs' personalities as well on standardized questionnaires. They found that dogs and their owners share personality traits. A highly agreeable person is twice as likely, they found out, to have a dog who is highly active and excitable and less aggressive than someone who is less agreeable. The study also found that conscientious owners rated their dogs as more responsive to training and neurotic owners rated their dogs as more fearful. By contrast, if somebody is, you know, thinking of themselves as relaxed and chill, they think their dog is the same way. Anyhow, the hypothesis is part of it is the dog that you pick and part of it is the dog is Ultimately, the dog that it becomes because of you. And also, of course, when adopting a dog, we tend to gravitate towards one that is going to naturally fit into our lifestyle. But now it's official. So, last year, there were 29 animal related incidents on the New York City subway system. Many of them occurred out in Brooklyn, where long stretches of track run outside or near parks and other wildlife areas. But occasionally, especially in the wintertime, they found that animals make their way inside the subway stations in search of food and warmth. And depending on the case, transit officials say they often have to turn off electricity on the track so the police and first responders can remove those animals to safety. Those animals, we find out, being everything from goats and geese to dogs and, and all kinds of dogs, from poodles to pit bulls and occasionally a cat. But they're not so likely to get themselves in trouble. But speaking of cats, we know they're incredibly popular in China, right? So Starbucks in China tried to capitalize on that and released a limited edition cat paw cup. The inside of it is shaped like a cat's paw. It's really hard to explain, but when a drink is poured into the cup, that paw shape that actually will contain the coffee or drink later on, it's then that the paw shape becomes invisible. But customers went crazy for these cups at even 30 bucks a piece. There was such a demand for these cups that Chinese Internet users and state media went so far as to accuse the company of trying to artificially drive up demand. So Starbucks kind of had enough with all this. And they announced that they would sell the remaining cups that they had through its online store. And those sold out in less than a tenth of a second. Very popular. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com.
11: This has been an Animal Radio news update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com.
0: Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to AnimalRadio.pet.
1: It is Animal Radio, where we celebrate the connection with our pets and sometimes the life of our pets. You know, one thing every pet owner has to deal with, or at least most, is the immortality of their animals, often <laughs> living much shorter lives than uh, than we do. Unless you're like Joey's bird who will outlive him and
12: <laughs> yeah.
2: go
1: on for eternity. Our next guest is Ross Taylor. He's a Denver-based freelance photographer and filmmaker, and he's working on kind of a special project, if I might say so myself. Ross, please tell listeners what you do, what kind of photography you do.
13: So I'm an assistant professor at the University of Colorado Boulder, and I'm also a photographer. In fact, before moving into academia, I was a photographer for, for 20 years. And and the type of work that I do uh, tends to specialize in intimate uh, documentary work.
1: You've uh, started a, a project called Last Moments, and you take pictures of the very last moments between owners and their animals. What gave you that idea, and what kind of reaction are you getting to these photos?
13: Yeah. So, to first of all, thanks a lot for allowing me to be to be a part of this. Uh, the, to the to your first question, I, I initially became aware of the idea of at home pet euthanasia through a friend of mine who was going through the process. And I don't have pets myself, but I was watching her go through the the very painful, uh, the last days together and and coming to terms with that, that intersection. And she decided to have it at home. And I, I had not heard of that as an option. And that process, um, is, a, is at least for many, I can't speak for everybody, and I want to certainly be respectful of, of veterinarians who do it in the clinic. But for many who choose this at home, it, it can be a much more peaceful process. Like they can be with their animals. And, and one of the things that I do whenever I start documentary work or a project, I, I try to add to the conversation and do work that is not often done to, to bring new insight into an experience. And I did some research, and and did not find. Uh, I found very little media, uh, little representation on it beyond, uh, you know, a really quick quick interaction with it. And so that's when I decided to to explore it. Uh, it's really not, though, until I started the project that did I become aware of how how beautiful, how intense, how raw, how how special it was. I, it's only once I started did I become aware of the. The importance of it, um, if I'm being transparent. So I think, though the reception to your second question has been overwhelmingly positive. I I had no idea of the impact that this project would have when I started. We had um, in Buzzfeed. I think it had within a within a week it had around 1.5 million views. And then it's also been published all, all over the world. And there's no way that I could have predicted it would have this response. It's been, I know that the images are difficult, but I will tell you that it, my inbox was overwhelmed with people reaching out to me with stories of their own pet, sharing the same story. And importantly, I think just letting people, letting me know that they, that they felt like at least they weren't alone in that process and that they that their grief and the level of their grief was justified.
2: Did you ever receive any negative feedback?
13: I have not received negative feedback. If you were to look at comments on publications, there are negative feedback. But if you were to read a news and I'm not I, I want to be respectful, I'm not trying to be flippant, if you were to write an article about if the sky is blue and publish it there, there would be negative comments, so I tend to not not that I don't care what people say in comments. I just understand that that form sometimes can yield people who are not as articulate or not as thoughtful and and the, the, the reasons why they may, may respond to to something well, sure, you're so, an artist,
1: yeah. and really that's artist' objective
2: like you said, the pictures are very hard to look at, but they're very sure. moving, very emotional. I mean, i I have lost many pets, and I you can just feel the, you can feel their pain. they're they're great photos of the moment. and um, I think you did an did an excellent job.
1: So were people calling you up and saying, "Will you photograph my last moment with my pet?" Right. So I
13: I worked with uh, primarily with an organization called Lap of Love based out of Tampa, uh, Florida. It's one of the I think it's the largest in the nation that does this. And I've also worked with an organization here in Denver where I'm based. It's only through them that this happen so I, I met extensively with both organizations and explained my purpose and my reasoning for doing that and once they understood the the reasoning and the motivation for the project then they explained it to the vets and to their organization and to their support staff who then in turn when people would call they would say we have a person who is working on a project on the human animal bond and the last moments that they share together are you interested in and in being a part of this and it's only those who would want to be a part of it that we photograph. We, I would never show up at somebody's house and, and then just um, introduce that that would not be respectful of the moment. And, and uh, you know, it's important to be very delicate and very compassionate and careful.
3: And I can say in my veterinary practice, um, I, I, see this increasingly with, with pet owners is that, you know, they either themselves are taking selfies or yeah. videotaping themselves with their pets. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, unfortunately, the last moment does have to be in a veterinary office if they're in the, you know, immediate care or there's an emergency. Sure. Um, so I do, I see that that does help people cope with, um, those moments and to have a reminder not just of what they're going through at that moment but it's it's it is a celebration a way to look back and it shows the intensity of that that bond that that people have with their pets and and i think that's why they want to capture that is because it's not that they want to get a morbid last photo it's it's really they they're trying to capture that that bond in in some form whether it be a photo or video or whatever
13: I think you're exactly right. I would say, say not every time, but very often the people I would be photographing were also photographing around that moment. I think there's something universal to that desire of documentation.
1: So if listeners want to see your pictures, where can they go?
13: Uh, a number of places. If you were to search Ross Taylor and last moments and pets, you'll see uh, quite a number of news outlets that have published them. It's on my website as well, RossTaylor.net.
1: Ross Taylor joining us, the website RossTaylor.net. And we'll put links over to
0: radio.pet.
1: Thank you so much, Ross.
0: Thank you so much. Y'all take care. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: Start your dog's daily dental routine with Red Barn's new dental treats, Chewables. Thoughtfully designed with ridges and grooves to help control plaque and tartar buildup, in between your dog's dental vet visits. Chewables are natural, easily digestible, and your dog will love them. Red Barn Chewables, the tastiest way to brush your dog's teeth. Learn more at RedBarn.com today. Use the promo code ANIMALRADIO and you'll get 10% off your purchase.
14: Charlotte Ross on Animal Radio, please remember to spay and neuter your pets.
0: Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy.
1: It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And if you're a longtime Animal Radio listener, you know that we like to have a lot of fun here. We like to joke around generally it's pretty uh a pretty happy or funny topic here on animal radio however
9: we're <laughs> serious when tater hears somebody i always say a bee fart in fair yeah you always a say what? what i i used to say when i lived in in virginia you know that they would hear a bee fart in fairfax which was you know, 60 miles away.
1: <laughs> you see, this is the kind of fun we like here at Animal Radio. But today we're actually broaching kind of a tender subject that we all have to deal with. If we, if we have a pet, we have to. chances are you're going to have to deal with this once or at least twice, depending on how many pets you have. And that, of course, is either the euthanasia or the loss of your pet. And people that don't have pets, they'll come over to you and they'll say, hey, <laughs> it's only a dog. Yeah. What's the deal? But for us, they're family.
2: Yeah, we have that bond, that connection with them.
1: Our next guest is Michelle Gaylord. She is the owner of Eternal Paws, and she makes memorial jewelry for your animals so that you can uh, celebrate their lives after they've passed. And and Michelle, how are you doing?
15: I'm fine. Thank you for having me.
1: Tell us a little bit about your business, will you?
15: Well, actually, I started out as a gift basket business for dogs and their owners, and everybody wanted to know if I carried sympathy gifts for a pet that's passed. So I started doing that, and then people started asking about urns, caskets, headstones. So that's when I opened up Eternal Paw Prints, and we have absolutely everything needed to memorialize a beloved pet. and we have searched we've been in business for about 11 years we have searched all around the world and found products for in every price range and every taste our jewelry is a big hit we have jewelry urns and a lot of people like to put a small amount of cremains or maybe a lock of hair from their pet in that memorial jewelry urn that they can wear close to their hearts. Hmm.
1: How how do you feel about being such an integral part of somebody's life?
15: We get compliments almost on a daily basis. People that thank us for having what we have available and being able to understand their loss. And it's just, it is so touching, the stories that we hear and the gratitude that we get from people. And my own kids are all four-legged, so they are my family. <laughs> yes.
11: Hey, I want to
3: know: do you, because this is something that my family has discussed, do you actually make diamonds out of the cremains? Yes, we can. You we
15: make, um, you can pretty much now get anything made. I myself am going to be a wine glass. Um, that I'm pass that, down that. to my family. But you can get jewelry, there's beads, there's glass pendants. Yes, all of it can be made in. The cremains make beautiful colors.
2: Have you ever had any strange requests that you couldn't fill?
15: Well, yes. I had I had one person that wanted to know if they could keep their cat in my freezer. Um, Of course, I turned that down. (laughs) I had another man that wanted to put his dog in a casket, and he wanted me to build or have made a pipe that would come up through the ground that was capped off. And then when he passes away, he wanted to be cremated and poured down that tube and be in the casket with his dog. Wow. I was not able to find anybody to help him, but I kind of, I gave him some hints. Um, a lot of people want a sealed proof casket so they can have their pet in it above ground. And when they move, take the pet in the casket with them.
7: Oh,
0: that's Which interesting.
15: Possible, But you have to have the dog or the cat or the pet, um, in formaldehyde, you can't leave their body liquids inside their body because it builds up gas.
9: Mm. Oh. So and it would it have would, to be embalmed?
15: It would have to be embalmed, yeah.
2: Have Have you ever had anybody ask to have their pet taxidermied?
15: No. That. Well, I have a niece that so that's what she wants to do with her dog, uh, but the dog is still living, so we'll have to see if that comes about. But yeah. I've thought about it with my own dogs.
1: Really? Did you hear yeah. about the guy uh, that turned his cat into a drone? Would you ever do that?
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I didn't hear about it. But I do So there's think more, that. more interesting wild things out there you haven't yet had. <laughs> That's true.
15: Yeah.
1: Well, this is all very unique. So, what's the website?
15: It is Eternal Paw with an S
1: And we'll put. Lead- and
15: we have everything for everybody. We have wonderful sympathy gifts for those. That have
1: lost a pet. Okay. Uh, we'll put links to everything you've heard over at the website at animalradio.pet. Michelle, thank you so much for spending time with us today.
15: You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Bye bye. I like the idea
2: of turning myself into a wine glass. A wine glass. That's huh? pretty cool. I think that's an awesome idea. Yeah.
3: Very symbolic, I think. Yeah. <laughs> definitely.
0: Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
9: Hello,
14: this is Jane Goodall on Animal Radio. And i just like everybody to realize that each day you live, you make some difference on the planet, and you can choose what kind of difference you're going to make. And hopefully every day you'll try to make the world a little bit better for people, for animals, and for the environment.
9: Your dog loves meat. That's why they'll love the new line of Red Barn dry dog food. The first five ingredients in each Red Barn recipe are meat, fish, or poultry. Sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings. The added functional ingredients make Red Barn dry dog foods the perfectly balanced meal for your best friend. Available in land, ocean, and sky recipes. Your dog loves meat. We love your dog. Head to RedBarn.com to use the promo animal radio for 10% off your first bag. Mm -hmm.
0: Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks, and now from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis.
1: We're going to go to the phones in just a couple of minutes for your calls. Today, in just a few minutes, we're going to be talking to attorney Robert Toller. He's in court, L.A. court right now, and he's supposed to call us, is that correct?
2: Yes, as soon as he gets out of the courtroom.
1: He is suing Baywatch star Angelica Bridges. You may say, what does this have to do with animals? Well, I'll tell you what it has to do with animals. Angelica Bridges, like you, Judy, is a pet sitter.
2: Oh, she's a pet sitter dog walker, huh? She
1: she does that. And she apparently listed her name with Rover.com. And we've been talking about these apps, WAG and Rover.com, that connect you with pet sitters and dog walkers. And we've been talking about some of the deaths that have occurred. We've been talking about how Rover.com has been paying hush money or attempting to pay hush money to those whose pets have expired. This attorney, Robert Taller, is suing Angelica Bridges, who listed her name with Rover.com. And apparently, I guess the dog died. Oh, wow. We'll we'll find out more about that in just a couple of minutes. You know, I love technology. I think that these apps are Kind of cool apps, but I would never hire a pet sitter based strictly on an app. No, I would have to visit that pet. I would have to know that pet sitter,
9: right? Yes.
1: I won't
3: even reference. let someone hold my dog's leash outside the coffee store,
1: <laughs> which is good.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I would. I would I just don't her. go with them if I'm by myself. I would either leave them in a vehicle while I run in, or I make it at home.
1: So hopefully we'll give you enough information to make your own determination whether or not you want to use WAG or Rover.com to find yourself a pet sitter for your animals. And that's on the way in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on in the newsroom?
9: Well, you never know when you're going to run into a runaway pig. So (laughs) in that case, we're going to tell you how to catch a pig. Very simple. (laughs) Very simple. I'm sorry, I'm going
1: on over to the phones right now. We have Ben on the phone. Hi, Ben, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Very good. You're on with Dr. Debbie.
3: What can I do for you today?
8: Oh, uh, I had a question. I, have, I rescued a dog. Um, as a great name, named Thor, and uh, they claimed he was potty trained and everything else, but uh, that wasn't the case. Um, I'm mm. since potty training, but I travel for my work, and like right now I'm out of town. And when I'm out of town, he does not like to go to the bathroom for my wife um, or kids. He likes to uh, go in the house.
3: Okay. And what kind of dog is he? He's a great Dane. Oh, I'm sorry. He's a great Dane. Great. How have you trained him? You said you potty trained him, so is he trained to go outdoors only?
8: Yes, he does. He goes outdoors only, uh, let him out the back door, and uh, he'll go outdoors and do his business. And uh, he, he has no accidents when I'm at home. And, but when, uh, whenever my wife or kids are at home, he likes to go to the front door and uh, potty on the, front, on the steps on the front door.
3: I see. Okay, and so you don't have an ac- a doggy door; they have to actually physically let him outside.
8: Correct. He okay. uh, needs to be released outdoors.
3: Okay. Now, I, the first question I have to say is, now, are you comfortable that that's happening on a timely basis? I, you know, I know how busy it can get with kids. So is, do you think that's getting done appropriately when you're away?
8: Well, I do know, especially with the wife, that he, he, he does let, or uh, well, he does for me, he'll actually go through the door and uh, let you know that he needs to go out. And, you know, I'm sure the wife is letting him do it. But uh, as far as the kids, of course, you know, you never know what's happening with the kids. They are 13, 14 years old. Yeah. But it's driving my wife nuts.
3: Yeah, and the interesting thing is with you mentioning that this is happening primarily at the front door, to me that kind of sounds like a territorial type thing where he's feeling with you away, kind of you being the head of the household, the head dog, if you will, that when you're away he's feeling like he has to kind of demonstrate his territory bounds and just kind of set that Up For anyone who might try to invade his territory. Um, So, you know, this is tough because I would say you're going to really have to on a whole family front um, really take him back to house training and to have uh, supervision, you know, when we are taking him outdoors um, and just to not just not allow him to go outside and assume he does the duty because we really have to kind of treat him almost like a puppy you know lay it on thick when you um, take him outside to do his business and then um, you know supervise him and and that's hard if if you've got you know kids running around your wife's got other things going on but it really will require to just decrease that access and that opportunity for him to do that in the home and then uh, you know praise him like you know crazy when he does it in the appropriate area.
8: Right, it's weird because you know I figured if he'd have an accident, he'd have it at the back door because that's where we let him out. But he doesn't. He actually goes down the front door, and uh, of course, when when he has an accident being a Great Dane, it's not a small puddle.
3: Oh no, I'm sure that's like a mountain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, is he pooping or peeing? Is he doing both?
8: No, he's just peeing. He he, he never he's never had an accident so in the house too. And the number two, it's just always is the peeing.
3: Just the mark. So. Yeah it really does kind of fall down to that whole territorial thing. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the tough thing is there isn't an easy fix and, you know, a solution just to say, uh, you know, crate him or, you know, keep him away from that area. But really, if you work on that training and then get the kids all involved and, um, you know, make that a concerted effort, that they take him physically outside to do do the well, duty. Well, and,
8: she has also said that she'll even take him outside to go to the bathroom and then uh, do it. And then he'll come back inside and within minutes go downstairs and do it. Um, yeah. So I mean, I know they're letting him out. So I, I didn't know why he would do that cause, I mean, I mean, I'll be home with him all day long, and he'll never have that problem. Um, yeah, but you're the boss. That all the time. Yeah,
3: yeah. So he, he definitely doesn't have a problem feeling comfortable that he doesn't have to play the role of boss when you're there. Um, but he feels like he has to mark. So. The best thing, if he does not do his duty, or even if he does his duty outside and comes back inside, I really would make sure we restrict access to that spot um, unless we're directly with him and you can supervise, because otherwise that pattern or that behavior is going to be repeating and repeating and repeating. So right. keep him on a close leash. <laughs> All right. So
8: just, just make sure that uh, when he is in the house that he can't make it down that way and uh, see how that works.
3: Yeah, that's really the biggest thing. Decrease the opportunity and then praise him for when he is doing that duty in the proper spot. Um, and that okay. pattern has to be repeated over and over and over again. And,
8: uh, right. And that's you know, how I got him, you know, for me to go outside. Because the people I got him from, I believe they just locked him in a room somewhere. Um, oh. Because he, when I first got him, when he, you know, when he would change from carpet to linoleum, he would just flatten out and wouldn't move. Uh,
3: <laughs> Didn't like I'd that glass that effect.
11: Yeah, and
8: then even when I took him out for uh, swimming with my lab, because uh, I got a chocolate lab as well, uh, he, it took him a while to realize what water was. So,
3: <laughs> Well, Great Danes are wonderful dogs. They have, they're have the gentle giants, great personalities. And, and I thank you for your call. That was a very good one. This is Dr. Debbie. If you have a question for me, give me a call at Animal Radio.
1: Up next, a call for Dr. Debbie. We have Lynn on the phone. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Where are you calling uh, from today?
14: I'm in Arkansas right now. I'm a truck driver.
1: Well, welcome to the show. I have Dr. Debbie right here to answer your questions.
14: Uh, what I was wanting to know is, can I feed my cat raw meat and fish as opposed to any of the canned stuff so that it's pure? And would I have to add vitamins and taurine
3: to it if I did? Well, I'd have to say that, you know, we know that kitties are obligate carnivores, so they need meat. Um, I am not a fan of feeding raw meat and fish in a substitution for a good, quality, balanced commercial cat food for a couple reasons. And you mentioned one thing, taurine, which is an important amino acid that if we do feed, a raw meat, raw fish based diet, we're going to very likely run into multiple deficiencies, including a taurine deficiency, which is so important for cats. They have a four time greater need for this amino acid than dogs do. So it's very easy for them if we don't meet their needs with diet that they can have a problem reading, leading into all sorts of heart problems and eye problems. So um, no, I don't think that feeding just a supplement is going to make up for that. Um, there's also going to be other um, amino acids, um, nutrients. Um, there's even kitties that will have a thiamine deficiency, which is a B vitamin. Um, and that can actually result because feeding raw fish actually can have a uh, enzyme that breaks down the ability of the body to absorb. Absorb B vitamins. So that can also cause a whole round of other types of um, problems. So um, my bottom suggestion is I I really wouldn't recommend going there. Um, If the base of the diet is a good quality cat diet, then I think you're better off to do that. And, uh, you know, I know oodles of people that would say, oh, I fed my cat tuna here and there, um, you know, but you just got to be very careful. There's, um, you know, a higher uh, risk of bacterial related um, infections, these nutritional deficiencies, um, and I just don't know that I would really want to gamble with that. Plus traveling, my gosh, isn't it easier just to <laughs> make a commercial diet in your situation?
14: Well, um, I, we have ways to cook on the truck, and uh, I was just, it seems like, has kind of a problem with some of the canned cat foods, and she'll eat them, and before she can even walk away from the dish, she's already thrown it up, and I figure that it might be an allergy or something, something in it that she can't tolerate, you know, she's eight years old, and uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, I fix food for myself, so I can fix it for her as well,
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there are some kitties that cannot tolerate canned food. Um, I see a lot of them sometimes start off where we just think it's just the canned food they can't tolerate. And then with time we go on to discover they may actually have more established intestinal disease, such as inflammatory bowel disease. So I think sometimes that's kind of the early start that we make those notices. And then later on, we discover they really do have more of a, a digestive problem. So um, in those lines, then I'll actually look at using hypoallergenic diets for Those keys that are the frequent vomiters um, that just don't tolerate certain changes in their diet. Okay, well, thank
1: you very much. Thanks for listening, Lynn.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, don't forget,
1: you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com.
4: Hello, this is Dr. Paul on Animal Radio. You know, take care of the pets and make sure that in these hot days that they get in lots of water and don't tie them outside in the sun because then they get a heat stroke. The pets are all part of your life, and make them welcome in your life. And once you do that, they will reward you with a lot of love.
6: you're a smoker, we have great rates for you as well. At the Term Lifeline, we specialize in policies of a half million dollars and above. So if you're looking for new or replacement term life insurance, call right now
7: for a free quote. Rates and availability may vary by state. Sample rate quotes are based on preferred non-tobacco underwriting exam required to qualify. 800-803-1961. 800-803-1961. 800-803-1961. That's 800-803-1961. Um,
15: yeah, hold on one second. I'm just going to pull over so you don't hear the buzzing in the thing.
1: Are, and have sorry. you been driving?
15: Yeah, yeah. We're in Vermont, and I could lose you at any moment. But what is it you want me to say?
1: Wendy Malick, Animal Radio, spay and neuter. So, uh, hi, this is Wendy Malick, okay. listening to Animal okay, Radio. Okay, I
15: got it, okay. Hi, this is Wendy Malick on the Animal Network, and don't forget to spay and neuter. Animal Radio. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hi, this is Wendy Malick on
14: Animal Radio. And do not forget and
11: neuter. And now an Animal Radio news brief. I'm Stacy Cohen for Animal Radio. Well, the owners of an actual cat burglar, a real one, are trying to bring an end to their feline's companion's life of petty crime. (laughs) Richard Windsor and his wife, Sophie, say that their two-year-old tabby Norris has been building quite the collection of stolen goods from their neighbor's homes. Norris supposedly started small. He started nabbing the occasional dishcloth, but Now he's starting to steal bras, pants, and t shirts. That's kind of embarrassing. Uh, We have which one of the neighbors' bras is it? You know, then you gotta gotta ask everybody what size they wear. Richard says they thought it was funny at first, but then they realized they had to find a way to return the goods that Norris brings home. They started writing letters to the neighbors explaining the situation, and Richard says all of them have been pretty good natured. He adds that he and his wife have started ignoring Norris when he shows off his goods in hopes that he'll stop his thievery. This has
15: been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at AnimalRadio.pet.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: Listen up. If you use Wag or Rover.com to help you find a pet sitter or a dog walker, we're going to be talking to an attorney in just a few minutes who is suing rover.com. He'll tell us why. We've heard some bad things in the last few weeks about Rover and, and WAG. While a great technology, they may not be vetting their pet sitters or their dog walkers properly. We'll let you determine that in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom?
9: Wow, it's a big topic. It's I've seen it all over social media in the past couple weeks kind of exploding. The subject of... Um, pets getting opioid prescriptions, and and how those laws are changing. In nearly every state, there's something going on. So we'll review what we know in the latest and and find out how you might be affected.
1: That's in about 10 minutes right here on Animal Radio. Let's go to the phones. Hey, Brenda, welcome to the show. Thank you. What's going on? I have Dr. Debbie right here.
14: Hi. I have, I think there's stray cats that's coming around in there. Uh, urinating on my basement windows, and I don't know how to stop them.
3: Okay. And um, is it, do you have kitties that go outside, or? I have uh,
14: two female cats that's been fixed, and they are outdoor cats.
3: So do you know if it's your cats doing this, or other cats? I think
14: it's other cats. I've never seen mine do that. I've always seen mine go out and dig a hole and go to the bathroom.
3: Hmm. Okay. Cause, Cause that, I guess it doesn't matter who's doing it. If there's cats outdoors and there's that access point, they're going to get over there and, and do what they do. Um, so your question is how you, you want to stop that on your, particularly on your windowsills. So, um, the trick is we have to make that environment. So it's, unfavorable to kitties um, in a kind and humane way. Um, So I'm a real fan of using the things that are uh, kind of don't take human intervention. You know, uh, people who yell and scream, hey, get off my lawn. You know, that's not going to help. I'm a fan of using the uh, motion-activated repellents. There's a whole bunch of different kinds out there. Little cans of the compressed air um, where basically it has a little eye where there's motion once that's set off. On the, um, detect, on the detector, it gives off a burst of air, kind of like you're cleaning your computer keyboard. And that's a very useful thing for just a situation, just for a spot that we want to keep a cat or you know, maybe even a dog out of that area. Um, so that would be something I could I would look at. And you can buy those online or pet stores. Um, there's oodles of different ones out there. Um, a couple other thoughts for deterring cats in areas we don't want them to go. One would be to get um, some good old citrus peels, lemons, oranges. I, I'm a fan of the lemons because they're very potent. And you basically kind of put those in that vicinity. And, and generally, citrus is not appealing to cats. They don't really dig it. They don't like it. That's why you should never use citrus-scented cleaners in the litter pan um but those little uh citrus peels will go a long way to keep those kitties away and then you know i've had some folks where they even will try um these are more the um kind of the hunting folks that do this but they may get things like mountain lion urine that you can buy over at the hunting store and um, kind of treat those areas and see if that will help keep those little cats away uh, when they pick up the odor of course then you still got the problem you got Oh, you're an odor. <laughs> so, I guess that would be one you'd have to consider cautiously, but, um, but that is something you could try as well. Uh, I might and then. That yeah, and then you you know, you know might really kind of watch if the incidence of this is in any way in relation to your kitties. Um, so even if they're not doing it, those other cats in that process of your kitties going outside is kind of opening up the opportunity for those other cats to want to talk to them, if you will, and say, hey, I'm coming under your turf. Here's my name. Here's my number. Give me a call. Um, so you, that uh, lifestyle of having the outdoor cat might be making you a little bit more prone to having these visitors come around. So you might consider that. Okay. So I may try all of them <laughs> anything at this point right you know <laughs> right Cat is potent stuff i don't well, blame I've you there
14: i've tried uh, uh i've tried a few things and it doesn't it works for the time being but then after it evaporates I, i'm back where mm-hmm. one again yeah and uh mothballs like i said yeah. every time it rains they dissolve so
3: Yeah, and I'm not a fan of the mothball thing. Many of the old-style mothballs contain some bad chemicals that are actually not good for animals, so we wouldn't want those around. So we'll give those a whirl, Carol, and hopefully that'll help you out and keep those kitties piddling elsewhere for you. (laughs) Thanks for your call. This is Dr. Debbie. We're here.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Doug
10: Ray of the Marshall Tucker Band. And forever, you'll always be listening to Animal Radio.
4: Keep loving those pets.
11: All of us here at Fido Friendly Magazine can't wait to get on the road again with our favorite Fido. <coughs> we know that it's just not a vacation without our furry companions by our side. Start daydreaming now and visit fidofriendly.com to scout out places near and far so you will be ready for your next adventure once it's safe to travel. That's fidofriendly.com. Until then, stay safe and leave no dog behind. This is an animal radio news update. I'm Lori
9: Brooks. In Minnesota, there's a new bill that has been introduced in the state house and. Dr. Debbie, I thought this would interest you as well. Um, And I've been seeing a lot of people talking about similar bills online. But in this bill, pet parents will be required to microchip their pets in order to get opioid painkillers for the animal. Now, the politician who wrote the bill says it is an attempt to stop addicts from fraudulently obtaining narcotics for pets to feed their own addiction. But the state is also testing this new system using microchips in pets that When scanned, it would reveal if another vet has recently prescribed opioids at another location. Now, under this proposed bill, owners would have to get their pets microchipped if they want an opioid prescription that is for longer than a week. And the measure in Minnesota is not just for dogs. It would apply to all pets and even large animals like horses, but These laws applying to vets and pets are changing all over the country. According to the American Veterinary Medical Association, 15 states and D.C. currently have regulations now requiring vets to report when they dispense opioids and other controlled substances to their patients. And... Not only are states changing reporting requirements, some are also setting limits on the number of pills that can be prescribed at one time, and some even limiting the duration of a patient's treatment with opioids. And such states as Colorado and Maine now require vets to look at a pet owner's past medication history before dispensing opioids for the pet or writing an opioid prescription
1: what do you think about that dr debbie i mean you'd have to start policing and that's not really what you want to do is it well
3: there's there's not a body seeing that's not the veterinarian's job because this falls under the dea so the question i'd have with this whole microchip idea it's great but the current microchips in use are really not purposed for this so i'm presuming they're proposing a whole new microchipping system.
9: Yeah, I think they've got a new microchip that they are, in fact, testing.
3: So one of the concerns would be that there needs to be a registration body that stays current with those pets that are on opioids and that as they pass um, or you know, the owner no longer needs the medicine for the pet, that that stays current with it registration body and that, you know, the, the infrastructure for this is just, it's not upon the veterinarian. So there really has to be a whole development of a whole new area where this can be done. Well,
1: well, well, well can't uh, can't they just add this information to the current uh, registrations of these microchips, just a new field or new data information that, that's accessible the same way you would get the name? When you scan, you get the name and, and whatever information you have. Could they not add the past drug history to that?
3: I honestly don't know. But, you know, the the information that is linked with the microchip companies is ownership. Um, So we really don't have access currently with a pet's medical history through that database. So that is a whole other can of worms. So that would be something to, I guess, ask those companies if that's something they could develop or if it does need to be a, a separate Um, Area, But I can tell you that years ago, um, we did away with um, dispensing opioids, um, most opioids in our practice. So we've gotten, I'd say, 90% of them out where I don't even fill them. I just send people to Walgreens or Walmart, and I let um, the pharmacist keep a regulation of that because that's where I think that this is going to have to go. It's going to have to be somebody that regulates both the human side and the veterinary side because if you know dr joe down the road is filling an opioid for this guy's cat and they go 10 miles down the road and go to another vet there's no way they're going to be communicating because they're dispensing in-house so Mm -hmm. that's that's a challenge
9: now hey you guys look at this As, as a pet owner think about it um in the states like colorado and maine now if they require vets to look at the pet owner's past medication history to see if they have had opioid use. That is really scary. Having been a nurse, I mean, privacy is, is sacred in the medical field. So, I mean, how would any of you feel about walking into your vet's office or your own office, Dr. Debbie, and, mm-hmm. um, and turning over your list of prescription history? And, sure. and there's a lot of drugs that you can figure out what somebody is being treated for by just knowing the name of the, the medication.
3: And I, I kind of know. I mean, I've had a few instances where someone will come in and say, you know, I need some morphine for my dog's pain. And I'll be like, no, sorry, we're not going to do that. Um, you know, there's other better level drugs that we can go to. Um, so there's some people that are truly drug seeking. And, and sometimes I think it's glaringly obvious. It's, I think those folks that are hiding it very well, that that can be tough to pick up.
2: Yeah, but what if you had to use opioids and maybe you did abuse them, you, you know, had surgery and, you know, you abused them, but you've got yourself clean. I mean, is that fair to say now your animal can't have any pain medication
9: because of your past? That's a good point. Okay. Um, So something much lighter, friends, Uh, police officers in Ohio really had to think outside the cookie box Recently, to capture a pot-bellied pig that had been reported missing, it ends happily. The owner, luckily, had told officers when they reported the pig missing that its favorite treat was Oreos. And sure enough, Charlotte loves Oreos. Charlotte the pig was lured in and leashed easily when offered her favorite cookies from the officer. (laughs) So you can file that under how to catch a pig, guys.
2: That's what I do when Hal's missing. I just put out the Oreo cookie crumbs. I love those
9: things. (laughs) mm. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news when you need it, anytime at AnimalRadio.com.
11: This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com.
0: Check out Animal Radio Highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to AnimalRadio.pet.
1: It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. The technology that is out there now to help us celebrate that connection is amazing. Everything from the little uh, things that uh, shoot the tennis balls... So that you don't have to play fetch with your animal anymore. (laughs) It just does it automatically. Uh To the uh, cameras that you leave at home that'll treat your animals. Mm -hmm. To the apps. There are so many apps out there that are pet-centric. Like WAG or uh, Rover. Rover Rover.com. These apps help you find pet sitters and dog walkers. Are you listed on either one of those, Judy, as a a dog walker or a pet sitter?
2: No. You know, and I've been doing this for years, and I refuse to be connected with any of those companies i'm private i'm one-on-one i meet with my clients they meet me i meet the dog i don't want to go out to just somebody's house i don't know them i don't know where i'm going i don't know the animal i don't want to be a part of that that's that's not my generation
1: sure i mean you may call us old school you may call us luddites (laughs) whatever you want but certainly if somebody may
9: call us like like crazy not even crazy but i am so picky Yes. I mean, I am truly that that pet parent who that that Judy hates because when we leave town, which is very rarely, because they always go with us. But I mean, I'm the one who leaves ten pages of directions and instructions.
1: <laughs> I think we could mostly. All of us in the studio agree that these apps, or finding a pet sitter through an app, you got to do a little more due diligence in that. you got to yeah. do a little more research. you got to know who's coming into your house and who's taking care of your animal. I mean,
2: would you find a babysitter for your infant through an app like that? I no, don't think so. But wait not. a minute, guys. Oh, People
3: use Uber every day. They don't know who's right. picking them up. So this is kind of the modern way things yeah. are going.
9: In all fairness, I, I did, um, now that I think about what we went on a trip for a week to the beach, and um, the dogs went, but we had cats at home, and um, the people came over to the house, and I gave them, a, you know, my 10 pages of instructions for two cats for a week, and we got pictures every day of the cats, videos and, and it was good, but we met them beforehand. I gave her the house tour. The animals met her beforehand, and, and that did work out well. You know, yeah,
2: you, yeah, but see, with with Uber, if I go, it's me. I know what I'm getting into. When I leave my animal, they can't speak. They can't tell this me is what true, happened right? this is true, to right? them. I yeah. know what happens to me. They don't know what's going to happen, or they can't tell me.
1: You reported several <laughs> weeks back. about. I am
9: neurotic. <laughs> I know.
1: And you reported about the uh, the, the Rover app. I believe it was the the rover app and how some animal had died and that uh There's been Ro- several of those rover incidents. paid hush money to but They tried. Mm-hmm. I don't Did think they tri- the, Yeah, they, yeah, the they tried to pay hush money. accept
2: the hush money to keep their mouths quiet.
1: Which uh, brings up a whole puddle of under, other stuff. You know who's on the phone with us right now is attorney Robert Toller. How are you doing, Robert?
12: Very good, thank you very much.
1: You are representing uh uh one of the you, Who are you representing?
12: <laughs> I'm representing a plaintiff whose dog died uh, when using the Rover app.
1: Now, did this client just found a pet sitter and did not, uh, I guess, do a The do, do,
12: client in this particular case did a lot of research, and I just heard your discussion about yes. how research needs to be done. There was a lot of research done. Uh, This particular lawsuit is against Rover, which is one of the apps you were talking about. And Rover makes specific representations about the vetting process for the sitters. Not only do they make more general statements like they have high standards for their sitters, their sitters are approved by a team of specialists, but they also make really specific representations like Rover accepts less than 20 of potential sitters. And this creates the impression among consumers that there is this vetting procedure in place. In other words, that this corporation can be entrusted to do a lot of that groundwork for you. And in fact, the truth is much different. There is really no system in place to vet sitters. They're just putting random people together. And um, the system that they have in place is really just people submitting forms.
1: Your uh, lawsuit Oh, you you know what? I just found out we've got to take a quick break. Can you hold on one second? We are with attorney Robert Toller. We're talking about Rover.com and a few of the animals that have died in a lawsuit that he is uh, currently litigating, and we'll be right back. Stick around. Okay, yes, yeah, so puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why Ladybug, the Animal Radio Studio Stunt Dog, uses the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning puppy pad. It seals away the waste and replaces the dirty pad for us. Brilliant Pad keeps the Animal Radio Studios smelling fresh. In fact, all we have to do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And let me tell you, that's pretty fast and easy to do. I love it, and Ladybug gives it five paws up. You can learn more about this amazing machine over at BrilliantPad.com.
0: Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy.
1: It's Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets. Not the first time we've been talking about WAG or Rover, those apps that help you find pet sitters. The uh, rover company is worth $970 million, close to a billion dollars. So we, obviously wow. there's a lot of money involved here. Attorney Robert Toller is joining us. He's an L.A. attorney who's suing. Now, I'm, correct me if I'm to understand this correct. You're suing Baywatch actress Angelica Bridges. Is that is that correct? Correct.
12: Yeah, former Baywatch actress uh, Angelica Bridges, and, and that sort of, Another issue is that we didn't. Uh, the, my client didn't know that it was entrusting uh, its pet to a former Baywatch actress, and for many people, that is relevant information. Um, and uh, didn't know who this person was, and it just turned happened to turn out that she was a, a celebrity of sorts.
1: How would that have made a difference, knowing that?
12: Well, I. <laughs> I think uh, it's inform- I, I don't think the mere fact that she acted on the show would necessarily have an implication, but if if she knew who the person was, she could re- be able to research that person and if it uh, turns out that it's someone that you wouldn't want to entrust your pet to, then I think that's information the consumer should have.
1: You know what that says to me is that obviously television doesn't I mean if you spend all the money, <laughs> it doesn't pay very well and you have to take up some extra jobs.
12: Well, I don't know how much in royalties she's getting, and it's really none of my business. But uh, the bottom line is uh, she, what we found out in this case is there were multiple pets just kind of tossed in a backyard. And wow. after this case, after we filed the case, there was some media generated from that. And I've had a lot of people call my office with horror stories. Of what happened in similar situations, and it's it's kind of like you were saying earlier that you know your dog can't talk, so your dog can't tell you what happened. And uh, a lot of these people, you know, looking for a quick buck, they'll take four or five dogs, and and not pay attention to them. And dogs fight each other; you got to watch them. It's a very serious thing. In fact, there are boarding rules in almost every single state for dog boarding that have very strict rules for this exact reason. So. In my mind, Rovers trying to get an end around these rules that other dog boarders have to comply with so they can undercut the market and they don't have, in my opinion, and as we've alleged, that the consumer's best interest in mind despite what they tell people.
9: To clarify, you said that there were these other people who were calling you with horror stories as well. Now, were those horror stories about the same dog walker, the Baywatch actress?
12: it was not the same dog dog walkers okay. just similar situations where the dogs were mistreated or the dogs were ignored uh the dogs weren't fed the dogs died the dogs were fed the wrong thing any number of things that can go wrong when you entrust your 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 pet to a family member or something you you trust them and even a dog boarder you know uh that there are people watching them all the time because it's their job but if it's just a random person that you don't know um you have to rely on the company's representations that they've done that trust process for you
9: and that's where you can not use that company or service
12: uh, right? what was that
9: or you cannot not i don't think i would feel comfortable enough as we were talking about before to use them but i understand that Uh, most of us here are of an older generation and and that the millennials are, it's just a whole different world to them. So I I feel really bad for your clients. I think that's right. And I
12: think, uh, you know, there was some discussion earlier with Uber and they've managed to create the so-called gig economy where people can just kind of get in a car. And and I think kind of what you were saying there, you know, these people are being traced and followed and, and there's some, built in sort of ways to measure safety uh, and decrease the likelihood of something going wrong. Now. now things obviously go wrong whenever two people uh, interact with each other. And certainly we've heard hor- horror stories about Uber. However, in this case, uh, there there is no way to track what happens. Uh, there is no way to determine what's going on when you leave the dog there. You have to rely on Rover's representations that they've vetted these people that you can trust them and this is exactly what they say until there is an incident. Then they say it's your fault. Then they say we're not paying you a dime. And to me that is an abuse of trust that has led to many people suffering.
0: Mm. You... And
12: it, it's a fact that Rover has not acknowledged and Rover's CEO has recently downplayed.
1: Do you think this technology is good?
12: Obviously, we wouldn't be on the Skype uh, phone in if technology weren't good. Yeah. Um, and uh, certainly Uber has re- revolutionized uh, the way we interact with respect to transport. And uh, like anything in life, technology is good and bad. But we know as a society what's good and bad. And we know that lying is bad. We know that lying in order to consummate a transaction when what you're telling the person is not true about it is bad and it's wrong. And so while this case involves an application and technology, it boils down to what's right and wrong. And here it's wrong to tell people you've people and only 20% meet this rigorous process when it's wrong, when it's false.
1: Well, keep us posted. Let us know how this goes. Attorney Robert Toller joining us. We thank you for joining us today. We know you had a very busy schedule. Thank you very much. Okay, it's time for us to blow this pop stand. Thank you so much for listening today. Remember, you can get your fix over at animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And then don't forget, our very own Dr. Debbie has some incredible books for your Yorkshire Terriers, your Shih Tzus, your Pugs, or your Mini Schnauzers. They're not actually for them. They're for the guardians of those particular breeds. They're called How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend, and they are Kindle Reads over at Amazon.com. And, of course, everything you've heard on today's show, including these books, can be found over at AnimalRadio.pet. We'll see you next week.
2: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
1: (laughs) This is
5: Animal Radio
14: Network. Network.